describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Good evening. Welcome to Grog Talk. I'm James. I'm Dan. And now the procession of the goat will begin. Behold, the goat has arrived after his travels to Japan. Yes, all hail the goat. Goat Delicious has made. Oh, he's exhausted. He's exhausted. He Go delicious has zero hit points. That's right. He is, but we are back. Welcome to the ridiculousness. After a hurricane, give it up for the people here at Crucible. We are here. Welcome to Grog Talk, and we are here at Crucible Ten, Grog Talk Twenty Two. Let's. I would give you a hand, but I can't get everything working. So, just give yourself a hand if you're out there. Congratulations. Yes, golf claps. Very nice. Give yourselves a hand. You guys are awesome. That's right. Very nice. So they are, we are way behind on the thing. So um, I, I'm glad to see everyone is out there. And so today, what we are doing, I hear, okay, this, they're doing the opening. I'm just checking the chat. And so the goat has arrived. So Dan, where, where has Goat Delicious been over the last few months? Well, Go Delicious has been living quite the life. Go Delicious has been to New Jersey. Right, New Jersey. New Jersey. Well, you got to start, you know, you got to build it up. Humbly, right. Exactly. New Jersey, Tampa, Japan. The Midwest. The Midwest. Where am I missing in the Midwest? He went to Orlando. He went to Minneapolis. He went to Gary Con, right? He went to Gary Con. He went to uh, Dave Con. So he's, uh, he's back from Japan. And he's had uh, quite a journey, quite a journey. And so Go Delicious is back safe and sound to return to his bed uh, with the queller. That is, that is correct. He is back. Yes. For those, we, are, we have a big delay here from the Internet because we are on a phone Wi-Fi. So just kind of FYI. But yes, the, uh, the fecal dice did make it, but the, the dice tray itself is not here. It's, so. in, you know, it's, it's, oh. been, it's, it's been quarantined. So we are, we are here and at, uh, at the convention, and right now people are getting set up for all the events. Um, and so we're going to do an abbreviated show, but we are glad to see that uh, for those who made it, who, say, who says gamers aren't hardy lots, right? Look, people came through hurricanes and everything else to get here. Amazing. 
it's been very impressive, the amount of people that uh, worked hard to get here under difficult circumstances. And so, one thing I want to uh, mention as well, now that we're, we're on through Sunday, we're going to try to do a show tomorrow, hopefully things will be better. <laughs> That's right, I ate, I ate at Burger King. Yes, I, am, I want to make everyone know that I'm the emperor. Dan decided not to partake in this, so he's wearing the other official regal outfit known as the, what is that, the... Uh, Sir Polo. Sir Polo, Polo shirt. And, and in all honesty, James, looking at you makes me feel better about my choice this morning. <laughs> this is patron money going to this. This is if, if you want to see where we're spending your, our money on, this is what we're spending on, random this is, nonsense. This is what we'd call a sunk cost fallacy, that the fact that you spent money on it feels like you need to wear it and make use out of it, even though it's causing you more harm. Well, that's true. That's true. But anyway, um, another thing that we are releasing today is Flipping and Turning 9 has released. We did a preview of that last uh, episode, and so that will be available on itch.io this evening. And um, please enjoy it. There's a great cover. That was done, and again, Rob, our Tim Cask, has did a great job uh, getting that to going. Flipping and turning nine. So, um, anyway, we are we're working through that. So again, I hope folks. Again, there'll be probably some buffering issues and everything else, but please bear with us. With that, uh, moving on, let's talk. Oh, if. Uh, we are going to be giving out a special title uh, today. We're giving out a special title because uh, someone came from far, far away to get to, to GrogCon. Do you know the story of that, Dan, since you're I, the one who volunteered me to do it? I know the story, and I, I watched the story unfold on Discord. It was quite riveting. It probably is going to be the best thing that's happened during this convention. Right. It, it was like watching the cannonball run. Right. So we had an attendee who his flight was canceled, and he was hemming and hawing as to whether he's in New Jersey. Right. Hemming and hawing whether to come or not. And at the last moment, he decided to come, jumped in the car, and drove headlong into a hurricane. Uh, 19 hours, uh, and uh, he arrived around 8:15 a.m. yesterday. And he made it through about half an hour of my game and announced he needed to go to sleep. And I didn't take that personally. Usually I, usually I find that insulting. It's not uncommon. But I, I let it pass this time. Right. So, uh. so yes, it's not often that you say that you're going to bed half an hour into one of my games and you still are going to get an honorary title, but... It seems it seemed fitting. Right, it, it, it is. It is. He's a, he's a good man to come here. I know a lot of people try to get here. Flights were canceled. All these other things were happening. So we're, we're just fortunate that everyone made it here safely. Um, we're very ex excited that in a few minutes we're going to invite uh, Lou Pulsifer up, who came up to uh, come up to GrogCon as, as our special guest to talk about gaming. So we're very excited about having him back on. I've been working on words that would impress him because that's still one of the highlights of my uh, broadcasting, podcasting thing when I came up with a, a is that a allegory or a, a reference that he's like, oh, that was a pretty good reference. So you've been working on the words and you don't even know what allegory means. No, I don't. Got it. I have no okay. idea what that is. Right. Okay. You know, Fair a, enough. a broken watch is 
correct twice a day. That's that kind of my, my thing. Uh, so anyway, we're, huh? No, no worries. So anyway, we are on to the next item. I think while we're moving forward, let's try to, let's do some random encounters. What do you think? I love it. This is my favorite part of the show. For those of you who are not familiar with this segment, we randomly roll a monster. We discuss it in nauseating detail. Right. Have many uh, discursive digressions, which is probably redundant. I'm trying to impress you. And then we have it fight the reigning champ, which my understanding is still, because I wasn't here for the last episode, but my understanding is it's still Mr. Toad's wild ride. Right. When you were gone, Giant. Mr. The, he, the giant toad survived an encounter with a jackal, which is not as impressive as it sounds. Well, that's the kind of stuff you learn when you talk about the monster. So we're going to roll this die from the angry monk. It has fiend folio. It also has a long hair on it. I don't know where that came from. But in addition <laughs> to having a long hair on it, it has fiend folio and monster manual too. Right. We're going to roll this to see what book we're going to use. The fiend folio. Fiend folio. In honor of Carlos Lysing. Very nice, very nice. Who is no longer with us. I mean, not with us. He's with us. He's just not right. with us. So I'm turning Did the you Fiend Folio. For those of you following at home, we'll be doing a random that monster speaker? from the Fiend oh. Folio. That's okay. All right. Keep going, Dan. I'll be rolling a D10. It is a two. We are in a dungeon, dungeon random monster table on page 100 of the Fiend Folio. I will now be rolling the level. We're in the dungeon. We're going to be rolling the level. It is a one. Okay. I have a feeling that Mr. Toad's wild ride is going to be retired as an undefeated champ. Champion, right. Because he's fighting a level one which of course means he will at some point participate in the tournament of champions. Yes. And be slaughtered by something like the diva or the, well, no, the goat is, goat. yeah, they, there's just, he looks like he's been tossing around. It is a 46. 46. It is a human. Oh, ooh, he's fighting a human. This, this con just gets better and better, that's, doesn't it? It's just, right. wow. All well, right. What kind of human? Human, I have to go to the human subtable. Okay. I am rolling percentile on the human subtable, page 101. One. It is a bandit. It is a bandit. So now, I am going to bandit. Not a buccaneer. Oh. Because we're in a dungeon. Right. We fought bandits in our hex crawl through Greyhawk. We did. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why I was looking human. I should look at men. Men. That's right. It's not. You put your faith in men? Apparently. Wow. Okay. Bandit. Okay, James. What page is this on for those playing at home? Page 66, of course, of the Monster Manual. Right. James, here's a trivia question for you. And for anyone out there, all those people out there, 
What is the name for a chaotic, evil bandit? Oh, sorry. Oh, you're close. You said Brigadier? Brigand. Brigand, that is correct. The ding, correct ding, ding, answer ding. is Brigand, but it wasn't in the name of a, a form of a question. Well, it's a hybrid. It's a chaotic, evil. Okay. All right. Brigand. James. What? Well, we'll do this for the crowd. What do you think the frequency is of bandits? Common. Is that your final answer, common? Very common. There's no such thing, is there? It is common. Ubiquitous? Is so ubiquitous there's, there? There's as many bandits as hill giants. Come on, that was a good word, wasn't it? Ubiquitous? Number appearing. Thank you. Huh? I know. Okay. It's, I... Gonna get a lot worse than that, Smudge Pot. Wait, 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 wait. Are you talking about number appearing? Number appearing. 20 to 200. He is correct. Wow. 20 Very to 200. Good. Okay. Hit dice. One minus, no, yeah, one to six. So one, one to minus six. two, I guess. No, not really. Yeah, because that would not be the same curve. How often do they go out and about? What is their percentage in layer? So how often do they stay home? They, they're in layer 20%. 20%, so that's close. Uh, Alignment, not, the, not a brigand, a bandit. We got a neutral. They are neutral. They are neutral. Here is the end. Bandits roam in every clime from temperate to subtropical. They travel in groups generally led by high-level fighters, magic users, and clerics. Those, it's interesting that bandits aren't chaotic. Right? Well, that's true. So, smu so SmudgePot in the audience, we've got SmudgePot out there. SmudgePot, are you a halfling? You're a gnome illusionist named oh, Smudge SmudgePot, the gnome Why? illusionist, has explained that it makes sense because they would need some law and order. They those encountered in dungeons, oh, this is, we're in a dungeon. Those encountered in dungeons will be far fewer in number and often cooperating with thieves. For every 20 bandits encountered, there will be an additional third level fighter. For every 30, there will be an additional fourth level fighter. Bandits will always be led by an eighth, ninth, or tenth level fighter. This is very boring. <laughs> Maybe the most boring entry I've ever read. You still, but wait, there's more. Oh, God. All right. For, there's not a lot of information here about, about anything interesting. Bandit lairs will be informal camps 80% of the time. 10% will be cave complexes with a secret entrance. 10% will be a regular castle with light catapults. That's interesting. And they will have 2 to 20 important prisoners in their lair, and five to 30 camp followers slash slaves. Okay. So, so we learned a lot about nothing. That's terrible. That's the worst random monster we've ever had. I guess the dice don't lie. 
You got to go with Bandit. All we, right. We don't really have a choice. We have no choice. All right. I'm going to roll the hit points for the Bandit. I don't think I learned anything interesting about the Bandits. This Bandit has three hit points. We need a weapon type. We have to roll percentages for that? Yeah, there's no random. There's no, I don't see a random weapon type. I see, oh, well, there's armor. Oh, I guess there's a, the mounting armor and arms of a force of bandits. Okay. We, we got to use that. We'll use that. Here we go. So I have a 62. It is leather armor and shield. So that is what? That is an AC of that seven armor plus shield, I believe seven. Armor, it's leather. A, leather armor plus shield. Well, if it's leather, it's eight. And it's shield. So it's seven. And you got a sword. So now we got to figure out what kind of sword it is. So I'm going to go to the DMG. I am going to go to the magical sword because I know it has a random table for type of sword. All right. Well, I, th I think we're sort of back. I think we're sort of back for right now. We'll see what happens. So we were gone. We were gone for a bit, but hopefully we're, hopefully we're coming back. Now it says excellent collection. So, you know, this is, the joy, this is the joy of live stuff. So please be patient. But for those who missed it, we are, the giant toad is going to be battling a... Brigand. No. What is it? Bandit. Bandit. He's filing a bandit. I, yes. Okay. It is not working anymore. Things, things just break. That's what happens. It was working. Now it stopped working. I don't know why. This, this was... I don't hear any sound coming I from hear it. Buzzing when oh, that's good. You do? Good. Try it now. There we go. Hey! All of a sudden, things start working again. <laughs> it literally is like magic. And then, of course, then the connection's buffering back and forth. So, all right, so we're ready to fight these things, right? Okay, where is the sword? Where, there's a chart somewhere in the DMG, is there not, on the type of sword? Oh, Long yes. Long and short. We use that. We use the magic item one under swords. Under the ta it's under the table itself. Got back it. back right. a bit. All right, because we've got a brigand. He has a sword. He has leather armor plus a shield, so he is AC seven. And so, so if you go under swords, it should say. Yeah. There note. it is. Thank you. It's a note. James knows his notes. It is a note at the bottom of page one twenty. I know. Why didn't I? Why didn't I know that? I mean, it's in bold. Note. Note. There you go. I should have known that. All right. 28. It is a long sword. A long sword. I believe is that one, one to eight? Probably on the damage. Yeah, so for those again, the poor bandit. This, this toad has been the luckiest toad ever. Five encounters with vastly inferior uh, enemies. And now he's, he's fighting, fighting a bombs. bandit. He's fighting bombs. Right, he's fighting. Maybe this, maybe this is the mob thing where they've got money on this. Yes. Throwing the fight. Yes, I, it's I, a big gambling ring. All right. So, oh, so the toads in the mafia. <laughs> exactly. He's a, he's a La Cosa Toadra. What is that? Yeah. You'll, you'll fight this toad. Sorry. Okay. 
You don't right. have a choice. And you're gonna and you're gonna lose. Okay. You're gonna lose in the third round. All right. Make so, it look good. Okay, so I play the <laughs> I play the I'm the I'm the bandit. Yes. You're the toad. I am the toad. So we're gonna roll for distance, are we not? We are. Well, first we're gonna roll for surprise. Fair enough. So I rolled a two. Oh, I am surprised is, by two, seg- for two is, segments. Yes, you are surprised for two segments, so that is not good. This, the mafia really is involved. <laughs> I'm taking a dive. Oh, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. It's, are you going br- to bring me back, right? Is it like the mafia bring you back? It's like a cler- the mafia cleric? I mean, it could be, yeah. Resurrection. We'll bring you back, kid. Don't worry, don't worry about Just it. Just take a dive. Just be eaten. Wait. <laughs> is it picture? a frog or a toad? I believe it's a toad. Wait, is, is, which one's the great picture? That's yeah. right. It is Mr. Toad's. Hang on. Is the toad the picture? Yes. So this really is going to be me. Right. You are the picture. Okay. Well, and that's why we love the Monster Manual, because it's so instructive of what, how to play the game. When we've talked about this guy before on the Monster Manual on page 98, he really does look like he's taking a dive. He seems to have given up. <laughs> and this would sort of make sense. So, all right. So I'm surprised for two segments. Yep, and so now we have to roll distance. Ooh, 30 feet away. So you're hopping. You got a bit, right? Do you I hop? can hop six plus six. Okay. But let's just say for argument's sake, because I don't want this to be an instant thing. Right. So he moves at 12. So he's going to take a segment to hop towards you. Right. And then he'll get his su- surprise attack. Okay, so one attack on me. Right. Okay. So it could be worse. It could, have been, it could have been way worse, but instead, you're only going to be slightly eviscerated. So I'm going to give you one attack. Your armor class is seven? It is. Ooh, nine. I'm going to need, you're going to need to look that up. Go into the DMG. So I am, you are a toad. You are... Two plus one hit dice. Thank you very, uh, thank you very much. You are two plus... I am AC. So you need a nine. Ooh, I hit. Oh. Did I roll my hit points? I can't remember. I, I believe you did. Was it? I have four hit points. Okay, so we'll see. How much did Your you damage is two to eight. Two to eight. Oh, no. Hold on. Sorry, <laughs> oh, Dan. Yeah. That's why you didn't, we needed the fecal tray, and I apologize. All right, re-roll that. Yes. Where? Two? Oh, that's a, sh- that's a shame. All right. Hang on. I got divine you. Intervention. Uh, divine intervention. 90. The gods are silent. They have nothing right. to say to you. Oh, that's a good point. They're, they're bandits. What, um, what deities do you think they would pick? Pan. Okay, let, that should take up some time. By the way, that uh, disembodied voice is Rob Ritchie off the side, our, our Ed McMahon. If you want to talk in the mic, you can. Just be careful. Don't get too close to that thing. Testing, testing, testing. Okay. It should, you should be on. Try it. Hello. Okay, I can hear you. Okay. Very Hello, good. Everybody. Rob is on. He's, he's, he is with us. All right, so um, he's dead. So which one would you pick there, Dan, for deities? Well, he's a bandit. I, under, I, I would pick 
Pam, God of nature and wild passion. Don't you say, I would think that button of uh, wild. Now, I know he's counting neutral. I would pick Pam, though. I'm a bandit. I'm free living. Right. Right? Uh, or, or, I know he's chaotic neutral, but, of course, Dionysus, Dionysus, the god of wine. Worshippers alignment, good, neutrally, as long as they're chaotic. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not going to work. No, there's no deity. I have no deity. I'm, I'm, we're agnostic. <laughs> you're we're agnostic. agnostic. That's right. funny. Okay, well, well, any other ideas of deities? I do not know of a single neutral deity. Hey, well, Bokov the Uncaring in Greyhawk is neutral. Oh, okay, well. Uh, Ishtar, I think, is neutral. You brought it up. That'll teach you. Okay. All right. So we, we now have to officially retire Godelicious now from, from this. Mr. Toad, excuse me. Not Godelicious. I have Godelicious on the brain. Oh, Loth. Ewes and Loth are not... Are not neutral deities, but that's what people are putting in the chat. That would be a big misunderstanding. Hey, wait, I was told I got bad info. Wait, you're what? Huh? No, that, that would be... That What's would, happening? That or... would be incorrect. So, okay. okay. That's funny. Um, all right, moving on. We are going to... Oh, hold on just a second. So, Dan, keep them busy. Oh. Okay. We are going to do, this is a special edition of Bell Selection. So I'm getting, I'm getting requests. What? The bathroom? Confusion. No, this is a special edition of, since James, I've always wanted to be able to take control of the show. So now I can do Bell Selection. So we're going to Scrolls. And Scrolls has a percentage chance of uh, being a magic user or illusionist. I will now roll, or a cleric. So if you go to the scrolls. What are you talking about? I was doing, what a, are you talking about? I was doing a special episode of scroll selection. Oh, scroll selection. Very nice. Right, right. Yeah. Hang on. I got the I'm on page 121 of the DMG on the bottom of the scrolls. 33. It is... It is... 30% of all scrolls are clerical in nature, and 25, oh, it is not. It's 33. It is a magic user spell. I am now rolling a d10. Nice. It is a six. It is a six-level spell. I am rolling a d24. It is a seven. Do you know what spell that is, James? Six, Six level. level. Number seven. Yes. And if you need a hint, I will give you the letter it begins with. Only if you need a hint. Geese. You are one off. That was very good. It's, it's one before that. Geese is number eight. Oh. So, what is this, nine I have to do? What am I looking for? Seven. Oh, seven. Number six. Um, oh, wait, no, number seven. Yes, number seven. Seven. I don't know, Jack. I don't know, Dan. Extension. Oh, I never three. got that. I never got extension three. I didn't know there was extension one and two. Yes. Does it make spells last longer? Correct. 
It's uh, the Viagra of, of spells. That's it? Long. That's the spell we get? That's the spell you get. We get human and we get extension? Are you, you kidding know. me? <laughs> Compelled. Right. Extensions are, yeah, he's coming on very soon. This spell is the same as a fourth level extension one, <laughs> except it will extend first through third level spells to double the duration. And... Wow. That's right. right. Call it, seek medical attention if your spell lasts for more than four hours. All yeah. right. Shall we? So we're going to reveal the calendar. I brought the calendar. That's why, I had, do to, it. That's why I had to come up. So here we have Disembodied Hand. Thank you, Disembodied Hand. We are now showing the October calendar artwork. So we are going to take random, uh, random requests of what? Don't show October yet. I'm Don't. not. So what we do in this segment is we have the Days of the Dragon calendar from 1982, 40 years ago. And, uh, yes, I don't even think about it. And we then go through the calendar, and we have people guess what dragon color is for that month. And right. so it is October. Correct. October 1. So we will now take guess. Last time was the brass dragon, which I think Rob corrected, did correctly. What? I'm really low. Oh, you're really low. Okay. No, I just got to make him louder. You mean really low is volume? Yes. Okay. Hold on. He is... <coughs> oh, check one, two. Go ahead, Dan. Check, check, check. There. Is that better? Okay. His voice is going. Yes. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be loud, folks. We're just going to be loud. Just, you can make the, the master volume to the right louder over there. The one to the, all the way to the right. So what's your guesses for... Right, a little bit, just bring it a little down. Just getting feedback. There you go. What guesses do we have for the dragon? The color of the dragon. Rob, you can go first. Yellow. Yellow dragon. Silver. You can't. We're gonna, you have to guess what dragon it is. Without looking. That would make it easier. Right. <laughs> if we showed you the dragon, that would make it easier. We got a copper dragon. I'm going to pick blue. I keep picking blue. I'm going to get blue at some point. I'm going to pick orange. Is there an orange dragon? I don't know, but it's Halloween. Okay. Are you I'm, ready? I'm ready. So now, drum roll. I feel like I'm opening a centerfold. <laughs> Might as well be. That'd be more compelling. What is it? It is a silver. Silver. Congratulations, Ron. Hey, well done. Well, Wait. I, I'm suspicious. Well, listen Lower, to me. Just a, little, just a tad more. It's feeding back. I, so who, 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 oh, yes. He looked it up on the internet. So who is the artist here? The artist is Alan, Alan Burton. Alan Burton. Okay. Well, very nice. Halliburton. 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 Is Halliburton. they like a defense contractor or something? I like it. I think it's, I like the look of this dragon. What do you think, Jen? Well, you can't see I it. I can't see it. Not yet. I like the well, look of this I'll, dragon. I'll look over here. Ooh, I like it. It's good. It looks, it's got a kind of a smog. Yeah, it's a smogash. Alan it's Burton. More old, it's more old school, which Alan, is nice. Alan Burton gets a thumb up. All right. Very nice. Speaking of thumbs up and someone we, we have had on our show before, we're very always happy to have, uh, we need that chair, Rob. 
Yep. And we're particularly happy Thanks, right sir. now to have a guest. Right, we are super happy to have a guest. <laughs> we are, we, we've, we've never been happier. That's right, we've never been happier. So we invited Lou Pulsifer, who is an icon in the gaming industry, so we're very happy to have Lou on. And uh, Lou comes all the way from the travails of Gainesville now. He's living up there. So please welcome Lou Pulsifer. Welcome. Lou, your job is to save the show. No pressure. Can you, can you do that? Is that possible? Will Lou Pulsifer save the show? I'm going to roll this die. No, but, but it'll, it'll get mildly better. It, well, yeah. But I am not chaotic, so that doesn't count. Lou, what would your alignment, what is your alignment in real life? In your, what do you say your alignment is in real life, and what would your wife tell us your alignment is? Neutral good with lawful leanings. <laughs> I'm quite square most of the time. Very nice, very nice. I have a little bit of intuition in me that takes me off in odd directions, like hiding games. Well, well, hopefully you'll take us off in some odd directions today. So, so welcome. You would like to talk about... He's got, he's prepared. This is how you do it, James. What is this? It's like an outline? Oh, wait. Preparation? You prepare? That's incredible. Wow. Okay. So you're going to talk about old school and new school gaming in RPGs, correct? Yes. Is this working? It is working. Okay. You are being heard out in the interwebs. Now the question is, the, the question is, Lou, you had mentioned before we came on, you were evaluating... Dan's DMing. So no, but that, that comes later. Oh, oh great. Later. That's like okay. the big finale. All right. So, <laughs> so let's great. talk about well, old versus we, new. We can talk about old school and new school in general, and then whatever right. comments or objections, and then I can talk about right. the doubtful person. Wow. The what person? Doubtful. I'm the doubtful person? Oh, I don't even know what this means. I'm very, <laughs> James, I'm very uncomfortable. That's good. I'm very uncomfortable. Okay. So what, what is, what do you, how do you define old versus new school play? Well, this is going to take a while, I'm afraid. Um, first of all, this was the question that the guys asked me to talk about a couple of years ago when I was going to come, and then COVID happened. Um, so... How to design, the, I think it was Dan who said, I would think a talk on how to design or key elements of an old school tabletop role playing game that are essential. So we'll try, but there's never a definitive answer to this. Every time you talk about it, you think of other things and so on. This is not a new idea, old school, new school. It's been with us before RPGs existed. Um, but it's usually spoken about in connection with RPGs. But you can think in hobby games that uh, the new school was partially manifested in party and family games. And the old school was manifested in the people who played war games. And then there was everybody in between. So it's called old in RPGs because it comes from a long time back. Um, and because the people who originally played RPGs were war gamers, almost entirely. Right. So they understood it as a war game. Now we have probably the majority of people who play are non-war gamers, and often they're not gamers at all. And of course, that's why they're called no. They're often interested in stories, not really in games. And you look around this convention, the people playing RPGs are mostly um, 
old. Old. Well, on our side. Now, I didn't know if you noticed on the other side. I did notice that. Yeah, there are, there are to your point, there is definitely a skewed, right. younger skew but, over there. But what happens, uh, this is like um, scientific theories. People have pointed out that scientific scientists don't so much adopt a new theory as the guys who support the old theory retire or die. And then the new theory becomes a common one. Well, that's happening in old school to new school. The old school guys are retiring or not playing anymore or dying and so on. Right. Uh, and when you get to my age, which is 71, you know people you used to play with who are no longer with us. That's just the way it is. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. So, what is the number one key essential factor in old school? It's failure. You can fail. Now, fail doesn't necessarily mean die, character death, but frequently it will. It's a game. You can lose a game. You can't lose a story, especially if somebody else is telling you the story. If you can lose, it's not a game. It, it becomes a game and not a story. So, you can fail in a game, but not when you're being told a story. Now, another aspect of this is earning versus participation. In an old school game, you have to earn the success that you achieve. In a new school game, you're rewarded for participation. Which, again, if you think about this, like family games, uh, and especially party games. Everybody's supposed to have fun in the party game, whether they win or not, and, and most people don't care whether they win. It's the game itself that's supposed to be fun. Another way of thinking this is consequence versus reward. What you do in an old school game is consequential. It makes a difference to what happens. In a new school game, you're rewarded for being there and doing things, whether what you do is right or not. And of course, again, there's all kinds of in between. Can you fail? That's the bottom line. Now, another aspect of, of old school is it's group orientated. You're playing for the good of the group, not the individual. There's no need to let each person shine each game. I see those comments a lot on EN World where I write a column called Worlds of Design. Some people just feel that the whole purpose of the game is to let everybody have a good time regardless, every time. And that's not old school, and I'll talk some about why that's true, true later. Um, so you don't let people, don't necessarily let everyone shine or do something cool or feel like a big deal. Now they may, but that doesn't have to have happen every game, and you're not, as a GM, trying to make that happen. I've watched games, which I call All About Me D&D, &D, where literally... What edition GM, is that? All About Me D&D? All About Me D&D. &D. Yeah. Um, literally, the GM would go from one player to another, and each player had their own story in mind, and so he'd work with that player for a while while everybody else watched. Oh. And then he'd work with the next player while everybody else watched, and so forth. Now, that can happen in old school, but it's quite rare. If it happens in old school, it's because somebody's got really good ideas or they're a really powerful character, perhaps. But not because that's the way the GM does it and everybody gets to shine. Well, Dan and I are running a 12-man or woman or person basic game. So we'll, we'll let each person talk for five minutes. And so that means someone will do something once an hour. That'll, be, that'll make it a lot easier. That'll be great. That was a joke. Sorry. Okay. I'll keep quiet. That was quiet. a joke. Good. So, the games are cooperative rather than individualistic. 
there's no one-man army individualism. Now, third edition D&D was very much one-man army. And that was partly because there were only four characters in the group, officially. Um, fourth edition was much more cooperative. And that was partly because there were so many powers that buffed somebody else. And that's all they did. So you had to cooperate. Now, keep in mind, in the United States, we have a big problem with individuals who are happy to thumb their noses at the community in a variety of ways. And when people play games, they're happy to do things that are um, self-centered and not worry about anybody else. That's just the way people have been brought up. It's partly the triumph of capitalist advertising. You can look at it a lot of different ways. Okay, now, stories. Every game has a story, but who makes the story? That's the difference in old school and new school. In old school, you let the players make their own story, which is also how you design most board games. Right. So, um, as GM, you set up a situation, you don't impose a story on the other players. There should be objectives, of course, which often come to the players, not from the GM. For example, I, as the player, tend to think of what's going on as a war between good and evil. Well, a lot of people don't think that that way, especially new schoolers kind of are out for themselves. But th that happens in old school as well. As with any game, and unlike puzzles, the players decide how to get there. That's the key. So that goes on to let players decide, player agency. Old school games are often about exploration or about finding and identifying the objectives and then recognizing when something about a location or opponent makes it too dangerous to do right now. That doesn't happen in new school. Everything's set up so that it'll be okay for the party that you've got. So in old school, players have to decide to say no sometime. Now that puts a greater onus on the players and not everybody likes that. And remembering that ultimately we're entertaining. Right. Some people don't like any challenge in their entertainment. So you can't blame people. It's a difference in how you see your entertainment. Is it an intellectual challenge, which tends to be more old school, or is it like watching a movie or watching a play where you're just passive? So let players provide the impetus and the decisions, not the GM. So be um, before you go on, when you talk about agency, because we had movies, I mean, movies was the number one way to consume media for years. It was escapism. What has changed when you talk about old, why did that passivity, as you talk about, where people are more interested in just kind of seeing the story unfold or have their character unfold I, versus... I think that's a consequence of having so many possibilities as opposed to, and you're going to hear this from an old guy, I had three television stations that were black and white on a 12-inch TV when I was a kid. Yeah. Now what do kids have? I mean, I find the internet and so on and so forth very distracting. What's right. it going to do to somebody who's just a performative stage? Um, so I think that's a lot of it. Also, the movies look a lot more real. And that makes a difference. And also... Uh, the stakes in movies and comics and so on have moved up. For example, in the 30s, a comic book superhero would, would fight some gang. Just a gang. And then it moved up to the point where nowadays you have to save the world or people, you, you know, how yawn. Multiple it's worlds. It's jaded because so much is Multiverses. It's a jaded interest. 
And I like superhero movies, and I like Star Wars movies, even though they're dumb. But, you know, I don't uh, buy Star Wars toys and so on and get so too far into it. Great. Um, highs require lows. Now, what I mean, I'm talking about pacing, ultimately. If a session is always full of light and easy pickings, if you keep playing again and again and again that way, you're going to get bored of it. It's going to be tedious. And that's the reason why there's pacing in stories. You have low points and high points. Life is like that. Uh, we would rather not have the low points, but it makes the high points sweeter. Um, so, you can have brilliant adventures and scenes, but they're more brilliant if there's sometimes some dull ones and even some failures. For contrast, the old school accepts this, the new school does not. And that's a, a very basic point of view difference. You can have a dull adventure in old school, and it's part of the game as a whole. If you have a dull adventure in new school, you fail somehow. Another difference is constraints, and much of what I'm talking about is really constraints. Any game is an artificial set of constraints, but contemporaries don't like constraints, and we can talk about the reasons why, but that tends to be the way it is. And oddly enough, that's why so many want puzzles. Well, puzzles, in a sense, are very, very constraining, but that's okay because you know when you do a puzzle, that's the only way to achieve it, that's the only way to do things, and so it doesn't bother you. In games, it bothers you. I remember um, reading about players who thought that secret doors were a dirty GM trick. A dirty trick. They wanted everything to be clear about where they were going and what they were doing. Well, okay, some people can be that way, some people aren't. So old school has lots of constraints. Two that are obvious are alignment, which is a big constraint if it's run properly, and level limits for certain species. And I say species rather than races. They're not races. They're, you know, an elf is, is a different race, a different species from a human. But we have the bad habit of calling them races. Um, the possibility of failure is itself a huge constraint. So typically in a new school game, they get rid of alignment, or they don't, they ignore it. They get rid of uh, level limits for species. And that's a game design, there's a game design purpose to that, and it messes the game up. But they don't like the constraint. There's much less hand-holding in old-school games. You know, well, I'll help you along, give you a lot of hints. Modern video games are often about hand-holding, and you have to face it, younger people especially very frequently play video games more than they play tabletop games. It varies. Um, I surveyed two uh, tabletop game clubs, primarily board gamers, and on average they played video games more hours than they played tabletop games. Um, in video games, the developers are never supposed to let a player feel lost. Always let the player know what they need to do next. The old school players have to be allowed to go the wrong way, they have to be allowed to gather information or choose not to gather information. It's their choice that comes back to player agency. What are the players going to do? Now, I've had people who played in my games, they'd go somewhere else, 
and they'd run into a monster and they'd say, oh, we ought to run away. Everybody would look at him like he was crazy because they were used to something where always the, the challenge was set to what they could do with a little help from the GM. That's not the way it is in old school. Now, about combat, and again, old school games tend to have a lot of combat, not always. It's about stratagems and about war rather than sport. So, old school is about behaving like you might, your character might die. You rely on stratagems, which is to say trickery. You treat fighting as a war. If you fight a fair fight, you're screwed up. Never give a sucker an even break. All's fair in war. So, oftentimes, a fight in an old school game will be a massacre because that's what you want. You don't want to fight them straight up because you might die. But in new school, you're not going to die. So let's have a fight. Hack them up. Ha -ha. So new school can treat battles like they were a sporting event. Except a sporting event, they almost always win. Maybe always win. So, um, we could summarize those points as make it a game so that players can fail. Uh, it's about playing a game first and a story second. Make players earn what they achieve. It's for the good of the group, not the individual. Encourage cooperation. Of course, if it's a game they can lose, they're much more likely to cooperate. I played D&D once in London, like in 1970. No, not 1980. Um, and the GM liked to see the players fight each other. Interesting. So the monsters were very minor. And we spent the whole time, it was a pickup game, watching the other players, which was tedious for me. But they liked it. It wasn't dangerous enough that they had to worry about anything but the other players. Never again. Encourage cooperation, let players decide. Highs require lows, more constraints, much less hand-holding, and stratagems were not sport. So that's the end of that. And before we discuss our esteemed king here, <laughs> uh, any questions? Oh, pardon me, co-emperor. Emperor now. Yes, not even kings. That's an empire. We have our empire. Oh, okay. So you have subordinates who are king. Rob's a king, right? We can do. His patron level is not sufficient. Wait. Oh, patron level. So you you wait on bribes to see who's going to be king. Very few. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> is this wrong? I didn't hear anything wrong with that. I believe that's how it worked back in the day. We are modeling ourselves in the economic model that we've read. Yeah, we have a pamphlet. Talks all about yeah, it. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Yeah. The only thing we haven't done is have the multi-level agent tier thing where, because we're greedy, we're collecting all the money ourselves, we could have it where we could give the content to someone else and then they would have it. So even I could not be a king because I'm not bribing you. Correct. There are honorary. Oh my, oh my God, there oh my are, God. There are honorary types. Yes, yeah, but it'll have an asterisk next to it. Right. <laughs> it could be super so, so what, what questions or comments do you have about this so far? I do have questions. I'm sure the audience may have questions as well. Um, so you had mentioned agency, you mentioned that, uh, you know, that players old school have agency. Sorry, yes, the thing is not working. I don't know why. Um, but again, I, I think 
the thing for me is those issues where people like a story. I mean, when the first Dragonlance came out, Dragonlance, uh, uh, Dragons of Despair, that was to me a sea change in how it was. That was, you know, it felt like you were on a ride. I mean, I loved Tracy Hickman's Fair Eye series. All those were good, but they started adding more elements of plot scenes and this and that. But that one was the first one where you know you couldn't kill this this character, you couldn't die. And, you gotta wait for certain things. So, oh, um, why? Oh, there you go. Magically, you see what you're looking at? I think that's a great story. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. So, um, what, what is, there a, is there a date or a time frame that old school became new school? Because you mentioned that number of editions. Well, of course not, because there's so many people involved. Uh, what what would you take as a, a boundary where maybe the uh, new schoolers became to outnumber the old schoolers? But who, who can know that? There's no way to know. It's a gradual thing, just like a lot of things that happened in human history. Gradually, you had fewer people playing the old school way and more people playing the new school way. Do you think that modules, commercial modules, played a role in this because commercial modules which you know I think Gary originally didn't think modules would sell a good idea he figured people want to write their own adventures uh, modules of course have to be in a sense very linear very objective based you can run it hopefully in, in six hours do you think that played a role in, in heading toward new school well I'll say this I think modern modules are often written to be entertaining stories because most people who buy them are not going to run them. And why is that? Because there are so many around and there's 40 plus years of accumulation of modules. See, I don't buy any modules, why would I? I've got hundreds. And there are lots and lots that are free. You just have to look for them. So, why buy a module? But other people like to buy the modules and I think they're designed to uh, be interesting stories to read. Now, I'm going to take an example from Spelljammer that just came out. I love Spelljammer, and I was fairly disappointed with the new Spelljammer, but especially with the adventure that's in new Spelljammer. It is linear, on the rails it's called, do this, do this, do this. There are a few cases where it can divert, but then it's brought right back in, all through 12 sessions to a particular result. That's new school all the way. Just now. Um, a month ago. Right. Pretty, pretty, the new Spelljammer pretty recently. So, so, Lou, you also mentioned about video games and the influence obviously had. For, for me, I stopped playing D&D in the late 80s because video games were easier to play. You didn't have to try to wrestle a group up and deal with drama. But they were still fairly linear. I didn't find that as an, uh, an advantage. I thought that was, well, the the technology will get better and better, and it'll become more immersive. And this, the AI will, the, of the DM, the DM, the virtual DM, will just get better and better. It still hasn't gotten there. I mean, the worlds keep getting more and more open, but ultimately, there's you can't do everything. Not every uh, permutation of choice is in there. So, and you, there's also a trend of people playing this game called Dark Souls. I don't know if you've heard of Dark Souls, but it's. It's a hardcore game. It's very reminiscent of the old. So there is still a cadre of people. So, so it's, 
it's there. There is both now, but and you're not saying it's exclusive old school, new school, but it's just that a lot of folks who were not in the hobby because they didn't these attributes were old school. In order to attract a bigger following, they've had to incorporate some more mass media kind of things to make it passive. Is that a fair assessment of what you're saying, or is that did I miss the mark? Well, it always depends on what players you can get. I think that players generally are much more passive. Uh, imagination is not valued very much, and I'm not talking about brain fever, I'm talking about imagination that helps you solve problems. Right. And that's because everything is imagined for you. And in board games, there's this attitude that uh, you can't change the game. It's sort of like the, the corporation or publisher who, who published it owns the game, and you should only do what they say. That's board games. Well, I think some of that leaks into RPGs as well. Plus, people don't have the time, perhaps, to make their own modifications. Plus, there's so many things like flipping and turning where you can get modifications. But um, the result is people are more passive. And, and there's a lot of other reasons for that. But they're willing to have things happen to them rather than making things happen. Old school is about making things happen. Now, even in old school game, it's not bad to have a few passive players. It's always good to have somebody who just wanted to be a fighter give me a weapon and point me in the right direction and that was quite useful because being a fighter is not very interesting because there's not a lot of options. Right. They've, they've tried in various rules to make it more interesting but essentially you go out and hack things or shoot them with arrows or whatever. Um, so it's fine to have passive players in a game as long as you get some active ones. If you have a bunch of passive players in an old school game they're probably going to get cut up. If you have a bunch of active players in a new school game, they're going to get really frustrated. I call it being led around by the nose. Because you have to do what's supposed to happen to, for the story. Bullshit. So, it depends on what players you've got. And it's harder to find active players than it used to be, simply because of the way society works. Yeah, and I, it's interesting. There's... I think their focus, at least, again, I, I play in Tom's game, who's back here. Thank you very much. And we're very old schoolish. I play another friend's game. But I run uh, a, a new edition game for my sons because they're younger. And, but they played, for, they played old school. So they, they still treat it that way. But their friends, when they bring them in, they're active. But they're active in not in the story. They're active in how their character interacts with the plot lines. They want to be very active in the downtime adventure part. They want to be active in fulfilling their backstory. They, it's, they want to be active in those areas of how I can be super cool. I mean, yeah, and then you still have some of them who want the, to do the multiple combo. You know, they read online that if they put this proficiency in this in this class, then they can do, you know, 300 points of damage and Right, which is, we've been doing that for a, a long time, but the part I still see some activity is in the downtime. They're like, oh yeah, you can, I want to set up a, a shop. Okay, great, you set up a shop. Well, what kind of shop can I set up? Um, well, in my backstory, I, my family was a bunch of cheese makers, and, and I would like to set up a wine thing next to my father's house, who's a third, and we're spending 45 minutes talking about something that's going to make eight gold pieces, you know, from a mechanical perspective, it's producing eight gold pieces, but they want me to sit there and come up with 
the type of cheese and, and, and whether the, you know, the, the milk was from a certain cow and that kind of thing. See, and I say, what's a backstory? I don't do backstories. Right. Well, and you let the character develop in the game. And, and, get and the you story and I, we 100% agree with that. Unfortunately, with the addition that shall not be named, you, there's benefits, there's mechanical benefits to coming up with the backstory. So that's why they do it. Well, fifth edition can be played as old school. Yes. There's so many uh, parts of the game that make it really hard to die. Uh, that it, by nature, perhaps, it's sort of new schoolish. Now, somehow I missed talking about this, I think. How much difference do the rules make to whether it's old school or new school? Well, it can make a difference if you've ever seen and read the rules for fate. Yeah. where you're just sort of making things up with some die rules to modify. That's going to tend to new school. And where you have something like old D&D, first edition D&D, that's going to tend to old school. But notice third edition D&D, where they put in the skills, and fourth edition especially, what the passive players wanted to do is just roll, roll for my diplomacy, roll for my intimidation. They didn't want to role play that kind of thing which, in a sense, simplifies the game, but it's not the traditional way to do it. Traditional old school way to do it. You talk it out. Maybe there are some dice rolls, but there's no skill about this, that, and the other thing. Could you talk about the DMs and the different skills a DM needs to DM old school versus new school? Because, and I can tell you as a DM, when it's sort of just the sandbox, and players are going all different directions, that's a challenge for, for the DM. So are there different skills? Well, the obvious one is the GM has to be a storyteller if he's in new school. And most people aren't all that good as storytellers. You know, I usually say if I want to read a story, I'm going to read it from a professional who's done it for years and is good at it. Why, right. why bother with this random GM? You know, some GMs right, are going exactly. to be really good storytellers, but a lot of them are not. Um, on the other hand, some GMs are not going to be very good at uh, tactics in combat. Um, my wife used to get frustrated when she GM'd, and I'll put a point in here, I met her through a D&D &D game. Yes. 40-some, 40 45 years ago. Um, I was very lucky. She doesn't... Like she doesn't Lily, you want some water? Uh, no, thanks, I'm fine. I'll take um, water. I'll take water. Thanks. She doesn't play anymore, though. Oh, well. She retired. <laughs> is she old? She got, huh? Is she old school or new school gamer? Well, she learned from me, and I'm old school. <laughs> um, but she got frustrated when we would do some stratagem or some really good strategy and just snuff the bad guys because she thought she wasn't holding up the side. Ah. And she's British, English, so she used that phrase, that she wasn't doing well enough. She'd get to tears because of that. Hmm. Because she wanted to hold up the side and make it tough. But that's not the nature of old school. Sometimes, if the players are good, they're going to smush the bad guys. Right. And that's that. Um, it's not that she was bad at tactics, but I don't think she was particularly outstanding in any way. Um, so those are two differences. Um, a new school GM has to be good at thinking of little things for the players to do, little accomplishments that are not combat-oriented. On the other hand, an old-school 
GM who, like Dan, doesn't like combat, has to work really hard to figure out ways to endanger the players without combat. And you had something like that in one of the games you ran yesterday, the teleport that did damage if people used it. So that was their choice. It was perfect for somebody who doesn't like combat. Sign set out of order. Right. They were warned. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I remember, God knows, it was a long time ago, um, several high school kids, including uh, Greg Kostikian, who's very well known as a game designer now, um, they were playing D&D, and they were playing what I call button and lever D&D. So the GM would say, okay, your party walks into a room, there's a lever on the wall. What are you going to do about it? Cha-ching! Of course. Right. <laughs> you have <laughs> to pull it. And whatever happened, happened. Then they walk in the next room. Okay, there's a button on the wall. What are you going to do about it? Punch. <laughs> they were high school kids. And they knew that, in general, that more good things would happen than bad things. So what it did is it eliminated all the wandering around. It, it saved a lot of time, in a sense, provided you were always willing to have encounters that might involve combat. Although it could be some NPC turn up and then you talk to him. Well, you know, that's a way to play D&D, but it's not a way I've ever played because it, it sounds ridiculous. It, it's unbelievable. And I might say, interject here, old school. There are different ways to play old school, but some old school games are a lot more believable than most new school games, I would say. But that's part of the ethos coming up. I, I knew a young lady who was GMing and her players wanted to throw an iron stove, and you know those are big and very, very heavy, throw it across a very large body of water. Oh, sure, I'll let you roll. If you get a 20, you can do it. No, there's no chance you can do that. I don't care how strong you are. There's no chance. But that didn't face her. She was happy to do it. The players were happy to do the roll. Oh, you know, everyone's wanting to get lucky. That's, oh, that's new school, I think. Sounds fun. <laughs> I want to play. You, so, like, you like randomness. I'm a planner. Yeah. That's going to make a lot of difference. Yeah, so I want to... I, I, you, for those who did, weren't here last night, Lou was observing. He was like uh, the lead faculty watching uh, the DMs. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm up for like DM tenure. Right. And like I've got like, you know, the senior faculty is visiting and they're going to do a report out on whether or not I should get ten, so, DM yeah, the tenure. Ad admin came to your classroom and uh, observed, did yes. an observation. He's very new school. So, and so with that, Alou, uh, I'd we, I know we'd all love to hear your perception of you guys don't want to hear. You don't want to. You guys don't want to hear about okay. that, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. First of all, I, I've become more aware of the difference between a campaign and one-shots or one-offs, the English would call them. And Dan was doing one-offs. Thank you. That makes a big difference to start with. And then Rob pointed out that there are different kinds of one-offs. There's ones you just play at a game club. There's ones you play at a convention. There's ones that you play for a tournament. And they're all different as well. And we could probably think of more versions. The number one difference is it's short-term. Whereas I think old school is much longer-term than short-term, than, than new school. So he's running I observed two adventures. They were going to play. They were playing with characters they had no investment in, which is another big difference. You know, it was just characters that they were given. And um, when it got done, they'd be done. 
Well, you can tell a story in that context because stories fit one-off adventures pretty well. And you don't want a lot of combat because combat takes a long time, which is why Dan says he doesn't like it. So again, the ultimate question is, can they fail? And the GM has to come up with ways that they can fail other than combat if he doesn't like combat. That's pretty tough to me, but it becomes a very puzzly sort of game because puzzles substitute for the combat, which is more open-ended, or should be more open-ended. I did notice that whenever there was combat in these two games, it was one monster only because Dan does not use figures or any representation for the characters. He does not use a board to represent maneuver, so there's no maneuver. Well, the heart of combat is maneuver, not doing damage. And many uh, people have observed over the years, going back at least 2,000 years, that really good generals win by maneuver, not by combat. They, they uh, do more with maneuver than with slaughter. Um, but you can't have any maneuver if everybody's against one monster. The only maneuvering is, I'm fighting them, I'm standing back, I'm running away. That's about it. Right. Um, okay. And also, that everybody fights one monster at a time makes it really dull. Because there's no way for the players... Well, there are fewer ways for the players to exert their skill. Because there's no maneuver, there's no trickery, it's just hack, hack, hack. So, Dan is actually reinforcing his dislike of combat. <laughs> but, when you don't have a, a maneuver area, it's much simpler to run the combat when there's just one monster. If there's two monsters, it's a problem. If there's a lot of monsters, how do you organize that? So that's called theater in the mind, and I've never used it, and I can't... It gives me the heebie-jeebies. But... It's quicker, and it's simpler, and if you're not really interested in combat, interested in other things, then it makes sense. So, uh, again, does it, was Dan running old school games? Well, somebody got killed in combat because they were uh, a magic user in something else dual class, and they weren't very high level, and they got into the fight, which they never should have done. Um, so they got dead. Well. Um, Traps would be common in this. And I've never been a big fan of traps. I really dislike puzzles, but that's a personal thing. Yeah, but, you know, some people like puzzles, some people don't. And if they like puzzles, or if it works out as it did in a one, one shot, then that makes perfectly good sense. Um, now, let me see. Let, let me go back to my summary here. Um, was it a game? Well, I think the players probably could fail. Was it about the game first? I don't know. There was a story, but again, it's a one-off, and it's natural to have a story. But I think there were a lot of things the players could do, so I don't think the story was being imposed. Make players earn what they achieve. I think that was happening. For the good of the group? Who knows? Um, there was a lot of interaction between the players, and at one point... I wrote this down because it was so funny. There was an, they were all evil, by the way. There was a cleric, fourth level cleric. I think he had another class. And the player, the character had just died and he had a raised dead scroll. So 
they talked about using the raised dead scroll for several reasons and then said, oh, let's raise this guy. Even though that player had got a new character by then. So he cast the raised dead. He had a 25% chance of failing. He didn't fail. There was a 30% chance that the character would die from system shock. He didn't die. He didn't die. So the character was alive again. But then people looked it up and found out when you raise from the dead, you're not worth a hoot for a long time. You can't be cured up and so on. You're just there. Well, the evil character who was supposed to be the leader as well says, he's useless. I take my mash and bash his head in and kill him again. <laughs> it, was, it was classic. Did you give him XP for that, Dan? Uh, oh, it, I it, asked that question, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's under consideration. <laughs> but of course, XP don't matter when you're playing a one. Right. Um, and, and he may not have done that if it was a campaign because he was losing the utility of that character for forever. But in a one-off, he did it because it was funny. Yes. Well, the, uh, so, Lou, I really appreciate it. We're going to have lunch with Lou after this. We don't know exactly what that means. We're probably going to go to the pool bar, get some things. So if you want to hang out here more about game theory and game design, you're, you're talking to the expert here. So, Lou, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you, Lou. And we'll see you at lunchtime then. And uh, always a pleasure. You didn't bring pillows for me, Dan. I did not bring a pillow for you. Thank you, Lou. I did not. So now we are bringing up a dear friend of ours who, whose travails were recounted during his sojourn thousands of miles through treacherous seas, perils of unbelief. We are now, uh, and then Dan says, hey, we're going to give him a new title. So we are going to bring up Sonny right now. So Sonny, come up here, sir. Sonny, are you out there? Oh, there he is. Sonny, have a seat there, please. Here's your mic. So for those who are listening, uh, Sonny's a dear friend of ours. He, he played in uh, Tom's and I's game. That's where I really got to know him. And then I played with some of his buddies. I ran Paranoia with him. We've had really good time. So... Um, like a lot of folks, Ian came, screwed up his plans, screwed up a lot of plans, and uh, so tell me the story how you decided instead of just going, you know what, I'm going to not go to becoming the knight of renown that you will be become. So uh, the brief version is that I, I canceled everything and uh, wasn't coming, and in the morning, huh? oh, yeah. I, um, uh, yesterday morning, <laughs> I was home, and uh, two mornings ago. What was that? That was Thursday, I guess. <laughs> Who knows yeah, anymore? It was Friday. I'm still confused. Uh, I woke up and I was very distraught over not being able to make Grogcon. And my dear wife Lauren, I have to give her credit. Uh, credit to Lauren. Honest, I'm not just trying to be nice. This is the truth. She looked at me at one point and she said, "You're not going to be happy unless you go." She's like, "Get in your car and go." I looked at her and I said, "This isn't a trick." She goes, "No, get in the car and go." And so from in the span of an hour, I packed everything, I ate something quick, I washed some clothes because I had to do my laundry, I threw them in a bag, and I set off. From where? Yeah. From New Jersey. From New Jersey. Now, were you, were you ever wondering, were you at all a little bit suspicious as to why your wife was encouraging you to right. drive 19 hours in the night through a into a hurricane? I, I wasn't, because okay. I was too excited to come, but I yeah. did get a lot of messages from my friends on the way down saying, are you sure that... that 
she doesn't have an ulterior motive here, but no. She, so life, life yeah, insurance? Life insurance uh, life she has that. She asked me to dig them out before I left. Uh, no, she, she's, she's great, and I, I, I really have to give her credit because I wouldn't be here if it, was, if it wasn't for her telling me to do it. And, and jump in real quick. Yeah. So Rob's going to jump in. Robert. As, as a um, M.W. Lewis, M.W. Lewis has uh, wanted to reward you for your uh, bravery and your diligence with a, a pretty good version yeah. of the Fiend folio. And it comes with a name on the inside cover. Right. And everything. Which you could go oh, track wow. down. Yep. So Chuck Franford, look for Sonny. All right. Yeah. All Thank right. you. Thank I you, really MW. Died. Thank you. And Chuck will. Oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah. oh, what do you have in there? What's in there? Um, giant bat, older guys, the elemental princes of evil. Oh, wow. the elemental princes of evil. Yeah. yeah. I look at that. I opened yeah, right there. Yeah. Prince of evil. All right, Lou Polsomer yeah. has just announced Thank that he you. will sign this copy of, of, the, of the monsters that he's done. Yeah. Wow. So with that, we are. What title did you decide we're going to provide to Sonny now? Because Sonny does have a title now, but we're going to add to it. Night of the Wind. That is Night of the Wind. Is that with a K or an N? Hopefully we can. Okay. <laughs> it's a matter of controversy. All right. Although it was the night of the wind that I was driving, so it's up to you. That's right. Right. All right. With that, I will then do the honors. As you see, I have the official kingdom thing here. Sonny, dear knight, I now bestow you the new title of Knight of the Wind, valiantly going through storms, pursuing the quest to become part of the Grog Empire here at Grog 22. Here, for, for now. Hey, here, here, here. Here, here. take the sword. Congratulations, sir. You're now titled, you will, we will add a quest of a glowing wind going through your heraldry as well. So he's Sir Sonny. He is Sir Sonny now. Sir Sonny. I, I'm very honored. Uh, the journey was certainly hard and, and, and it, was, it was long. <laughs> and, uh, and there were moments where I did not know if I was going to make it. But now that I'm here, I appreciate the bestowing of this honor and I will... I will live up to, to its name. Yes, we now need to play Songs of Heraldry. All hail, Sonny! Hey! Hello. There we go, there we go. Congratulations, and, and, congratulations. And, and since we can't, Sonny, of course, is going to say he's excited to be here. We have to roll to see if this really is worth it to Sonny. The dice don't lie. He's almost being killed. Was a 90, is he just being nice? Or you know, is a 19-hour trip to Grogcon worth it for right. Sonny? Here we go. No. No. Uh, it was certainly <laughs> worth it. And actually, well, I left something out. I'm glad you brought this up because I did actually roll. At some point, someone put on the Discord, let the dice decide. Oh. And I did go downstairs, and I decided to do 50-50, and I chose under, and I rolled 47. Wow. So the dice did tell me to come. I don't remember if I told my wife that, though. So I'm giving right. her the credit. Just barely, though. I'm glad you didn't do any modifiers. Just barely. That was yes. close. Yes. Yeah, all right. Then well I still lie. It was barely worth it. All right. Well done. Well done, sir. Th thank, thank you, you so you, much. Thank you. It's great to see you. Support Grog Talk by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com backslash grog talk.
All right, welcome to Grog Talk Jeopardy. Geo Party. Geo Party. Not to be confused by any other game that this is similar to. Indeed. So we have three contestants who signed up long, long, long ago to be on this, uh, selected out of many people. And uh, our host. Our host is going to be Rob Ritchie, the editor-in-chief of Flipping and Turning, who has written these questions. And will you be asking our guests to talk about themselves during the break? Yes, I will. We'll be taking a break. Uh, well, I'll tell you to put your buzzers down, and we'll be asking you a little, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, how long you've been gaming. So with that, I will go ahead and turn it over to our host, Rob Ritchie. Hey, all right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Grog Talk Geo Party. Uh, the we had a roll off at the beginning before the game started, and uh, Darren gets to pick the first category. I'll, for the for the people at home, I will um, say the categories. The categories are Dave or Gary, Dan or James. Draconic Elements, Appendix Any, and Random Table. So, Darren, what is the first category? I would like Random Tables for 500. Random Ooh, Tables wow. for 500. The question is, this lycanthrope is the only one which may use a weapon while in wear form. Wear rat. The Ron says the answer is wear rat. See if I can figure out how to tell them. Oh, yes. The Wear Rat. So Ron is correct. Ron, you win the board. Uh, next, what, what category would you like? Well, let's go for 400. Same category. 400, same category. These giants are common and dwell in caves or similar underground habitations. Darren? Hill giants. What are hill giants? What are hill giants is correct. What would you like to pick next? Next category. Let's go ahead and take Appendix Any for 500. Appendix Any for 500. These short story anthologies edited by Robert Asprin contain tales about the city of Sanctuary and its inhabitants. Smudgepot. What is the Thieves Guild? That is incorrect. Bap, bap, bap. Bap, bap, bap. Sorry. All right. The correct answer is Thieves World. Oh. So close. So you're still, you're still in control. Oh, you still have control over the board, Smudgebot. No, he lo oh, sorry. He lost. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and take Draconic Elements for 500. Draconic Elements for 500. Silver Dragons have two breath weapons, a cone of frost and a cloud of this gas. I think it was Ron. Chlorine. That is incorrect. Anyone else want to guess? Eh, eh, eh. Eh, eh, eh. Sleep or paralyzation? Ooh, paralyzation. Uh, You're still in command. You're still in command of the board. And to win it. What? We're going to Dan and James for 500. Dan and, oops, sorry. Dan and James for 500. Den Kanan is portrayed by this Grog Emperor. Ron? Darren. Who's Darren? James? 
Well done. Is correct. That's correct. Let me give you your points <laughs> real quick. Okay. Where would you like to go? Next question. Dave or Gary for 500. Dave or Gary for 500. This David is an American filmmaker known for such works as Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks. David Lynch. David Lynch is correct. No answers. Can you still have control of the board? Goodness. Random tables for 300. Random tables for 300. This magical device enables the wearer to transport himself instantly to or from any of the upper levels of the outer planes. Ron. Oil of, what is oil of etherealness? That is incorrect. Oh. Uh. Pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop, sorry. Oops. Amulet sorry. of the Plains? Sorry. Yes, the answer is Amulet of the Plains. Like, it's like I've been on the show. <laughs> okay. Still, still All right. Are we coming on here? No, it's not. The, the camp is not working. Okay. Random, random tables for 200, please. Random tables for 200. The Half Ogre was first described within the pages of Dragon Magazine number 29 in an article written by this author. Ron? Who is Roger Moore? That is incorrect. Oh. <laughs> Gary Gygax. Correct answer is Gary Gygax. Hey, can you hold oh. the mic? I'm gonna see if I can get Boarded the whole half of so, uh, the follow-up. Is this? Right. Da who's, Darren still, Darren's still in control of the board. Is this working? Tables for 100. Random tables for 100. This first level comprehend languages, excuse me, this first level spell comprehend languages requires the magic user to add a pinch of soot and a few grains of this common flavoring. Smudgebot. What is salt? Salt is correct. Okay, Smudgepot, you uh, control the board. Uh, let's go with Appendix Any for 300. Appendix Any for 300. This author's Discworld series features fantasy characters such as Kohan the Barbarian and Cut Me Own Throat Dribbler. Yes. Messes up. Darren. Colin Doyle. Incorrect. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Terry Pratchett. Okay, I think uh, SpongePod. Same category, Appendix Any for 200. This novel by Robert Heinlein, where the mutant descendants of a spaceship's crew battle for survival, was an inspiration for the game Metamorphosis Alpha. What is Battleship Earth? That is incorrect. Uh, Hubbard wrote that book, if I remember correct. Any other questions? Final answers? Orphans of the Sky. Ooh, Orphans of the Sky. Lou's like, I, I knew that. Lou got that one? No, I mean, he's, but he's hurt. He's in the lead. He's in the lead. He's, he's in the like, lead, no doubt. Uh, same category, 100. Same category, Appendix Any for 100. This 1978 Andre Norton novel is recognized as the first to be substantially influenced by D&D. A fantasy role-playing game. 
Pop, pop, pop. All right. The answer, Quag Keep. Ooh. And uh, in this uh, most recent issue of Flipping and Turning number nine, I have a, I discuss Quag Keep. Uh, so, you know, pick it up wherever magazines are sold. <laughs> Where, wherever your magazine is wherever sold? Wherever my magazine is sold. All right. Appendix any closing out the category. This Roger Zelazny series includes the novels The Guns of Avalon and Trumps of Doom. I need the crickets thing. Right. <laughs> the Chronicles of Amber. All right, I just want to say that I'm very disappointed in all of you. Thank you. Very, very disappointed in all of you. All right. I'm not disappointed. I don't read, so you're fine. Draconian elements, 100. Dr draconic elements for 100. This precious metal is often drawn into electrical wires due to its low conductivity. It's also the lowest value currency in AD&D. What is Ron? copper? Copper is correct. Where would you like to go now, Ron? Um, let's see. Same category, 200, please. Draconic elements for 200. Bronze is a metallic alloy consisting of copper and this element. Smudgepot. What is iron? Iron is incorrect. Any guesses? The answer is tin. Tin, oh, tin. love control. Oh, Ron, you have control of the board. Same, 300, please. All right, draconic elements for 300. Yes, okay, our mic is working again, so a little louder. Than okay, the, this element is the in-game unit of both cost and encumbrance and has an atomic number of 79. Ron. What is gold? Gold is correct. Correct, very nice. That's a good guess. Let's oh. go uh, Dan or James for 100. Dan or oh. Dan or Sorry guys, it's too responsive. <laughs> this Grog Emperor fosters feral kittens. Who is Dan? Dan is correct. <laughs> hey, you're in the you're in the black again. You're Congratulations. Black again. <laughs> Next question? 200. Dan or James for 200? This Grog Emperor harbors an irrational dislike of Tom Bombadil. Who is James? James We're, is correct. Not just me. There's a second person in this room who does not like Tom Bombadil. So. It's not irrational either. He's not a Grog Emperor. That's right. Next True. Ca next category. Uh, Dan or James for 300. This is, this is your, this is your category, Ron. As of this date, this Grog Emperor has yet to release uh -huh. the fate of Pelinor to Patreons. Who is James? That is James, James for shaming is me. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for shaming me of that. Appreciate it. And the next, the next Let's question. Close out for 400. Okay. Close also out known as Ron's personal thing. This Grog Emperor rolled up both Glade, Leather, Leaf Trotter, and Pixie Spellbinder. Yep. Who is Dan? Dan is correct. Dan is correct, yes. And did not know their abilities after rolling right. them up. Put, put your, please put your, uh, your buzzers down. And let's have a little, let's make little, know you a little bit. That's right. So uh, our first category is Darren. Darren, where are you from and how long have you been gaming? I'm from, originally from England, California, and now I currently live in Melbourne, Florida, and I started gaming in 1979. 79. So you've seen a lot of changes. Yes. I currently only own first edition books. Ooh, that's a mark of, a mark of distinction. <laughs> the, next, the next contestant is... Ron Christopher, longtime uh, a fan of the show. 
Yes. Hello. Yeah, I was uh, originally born in Boston, but I've lived most of my life here in Florida. I've commuted all the way to GrogCon from Orlando to be here today. Uh, started, oh, started gaming in 1980 uh, for several years and then got away like all of us did. Came back about four or five years ago. Welcome He's back. a newbie. He, he started in 1980. He's well, pretty, pretty well, new to the thing. Welcome back out of the deep freeze, as they say. And our last uh, contestant is... Please introduce yourself, because your name says Smudgepot. Yeah, uh, my name is Tom. I uh, came originally from New York, and I uh, moved down to Florida about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. And uh, I started gaming uh, 79, 80. I really don't remember. Just picked a book up that looked weird off of a shelf. Awesome. All right. Well, we have, you guys are literally representative of the decrepit old school spirit that we've come to right. uh, love here on Grod Talk. You're what's keeping first edition alive. Exactly. For right. now. On life support. So I think, I think uh, Tom, you're in uh, you, you have the last pick. Sure. Let's do Dracon what, Draconic Elements 400. All right. We're going to closing out that category. Both Jean Harlow and Charlize Theron have been described as this sort of blonde. What is platinum? Platinum is correct. Ooh. Ron, you have moved into the lead. All right. And you've got control of the board. Dave or Gary for 400. Dave or Gary for 400. This David became famous for starring in television shows such as Knight Rider and Baywatch. Who is David Hasselhoff? David, David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff, very good. That's correct. You still have control Three, of the board. 300, please. Dave or Gary for 300. Born David Robert Jones, this David is considered one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century. Bap, bap, bap. David Bowie. Wait, did you did you get that? No, he didn't. All right, the answer is David uh, Bowie. My wife will be disappointed. Yeah. 200. <laughs> we'll 200. Go for 200. All right, for 200. This Gary played Captain Dan in 1994's film Forrest Gump. Who is Gary Sinise? Gary Sinise Very is nice. correct. I assume you take closing it out with the last one? Yes. Let me think about that. <laughs> and closing out the category. This Gary, who as a child played Arnold Jackson on the NBC sitcom Different Strokes, died in 2010. Who is Gary Coleman? The answer is Gary Coleman. And I think the clear winner is... Is there a final Jeopardy? Oh, I do not have a final Jeopardy. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, oh that was my plan to take back my own right. victory. I apologize, guys. I don't have it. Well, so for the final scores are uh, coming in at. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, Smudge Pot, Tom, Tom uh, would would have been eliminated from Final Jeopardy because he has a minus 400. Darren comes in second place with 600, and Ron dominating the game at 1600 points. Congratulations, everyone! Congratulations, and thank you for playing Grog Talk Geo Party. Congratulations to our participants and players. I think uh, we thank. Oh, I, go ahead, Dan. You can you can speak now if you'd like. Your mic is on. Okay. I, I think we've had enough shenanigans and tomfoolery for today. Huh? And hijinks. Exactly. So we need to roll a d10. And depending on how we, depending if there's air conditioning and power, we may have grog talk tomorrow. We'll have to see. So let's see. We had Luan. We knighted someone. Let's see what the D10 says. Four. Eh. That's fair. Sli slightly below average. Power, minus two. A couple other things that fact. So with that, again, I want to thank everyone for showing up. 
Uh, we had a great time today. We're looking forward to gaming. We are gaming at 1 o'clock, right? Our Dwarven Forge. Yep. Old school. And then the tournament tonight. Tonight is the tournament, folks, where you will potentially win the Groggy. The most coveted of rewards and treasures. Handcrafted from the Dwarven Mines in Minnesota, you will be getting the Groggy. With a commemorative stick-on pl placard that says... You are a champion. Empires go, empires come and go, but that victory will always be yours. So with that, for Grog Talk, I'm James. And I'm Dan. And we'll see you next time on Grog Talk. Take care. This is Big Abushi Puppy Production. All rights reserved.